Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. One of my first projects when I got a smartphone that could take a decent picture was was a series on people being absorbed in the devices. The story was people on their phones by me using a phone. Of course. And when you use a phone now, it's like you're, you're invisible because everybody's doing it. Either they're checking their email, they're swiping their Tinder, and you're a guy holding the same device and everybody's just so focused on that. You can get like right up next to them and you know make a beautiful picture. So welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about good journalism and the people who make it. Daryl Montgomery is celebrating his 30th anniversary as a photographer for this Washington City paper. Here are a couple of quotes from his colleagues from some recent articles about here. Darrow does not truck in easy stereotypes or cheap sentimentality, says writer Eddie Dean. He goes straight to the soul of his subjects. And his most endearing subject is the city of Washington, D.C. His photographs are a lifelong poem to the city and to its people. An assignment with Darrow was always an adventure, and he always got the goods. And Amy Austin, the, the city paper's publisher emeritus, says about Darrow that when you see his photos, you immediately think of the city paper. So let's start with, a, with an easy question. What is a, what is a, a Darrow Montgomery photo? What, what makes your photos so different? You said you were going to start with an easy question. Yeah, I know. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you should see the other ones that yeah, are coming. I mean, yeah. We can work up to it if you want. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I think what uh, Daryl Montgomery photo ideally should do is sort of make you think that you, you look at the image and you'd say, you know, I walked by that corner the other day and it never occurred to me that that's what it looked like. Or, or I saw those two people standing together or I didn't even or I didn't see those people interacting together. How did he, how did he see that? And why is he showing me something that is so mundane, appears so mundane, but has turned into a picture all of a sudden. Yeah. That's sort of, that, uh, that's a goal. That's know. cool. That's a goal. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's good photography, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's what you're trying to accomplish. Now, before we turn on the mic, we were talking about that you're, you're a local boy. You, you, you were from this area mm -hmm. before you started working for the city paper. Correct. So how did you get into photography? Well, that's what one of those, um, well, in high school, I had to pick an elective, and, <laughs> and the, the girl I was interested in picked photography, so I picked photography too, and that's one of those, and that went absolutely nowhere. But um, you know, at the first roll of film, the magical thing, you know, developing under your eyes, and I was like, well, I'm hooked on that, and and that, that's been that for the last thirty five years. Now, now, are you primarily digital now, or are you oh yeah, I am almost. Yeah, I'll say entirely since two thousand six. Uh -huh. I was late to it, late to it, but. Yeah, primarily digital. So, what what took you so long to give up? Uh, uh... I was cool. I was too cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like my Leicas, you know. I like that, you know, the, the mystique of the the being the film guy and and all that stuff. But boy, it was really liberating to get out of the not so much the printing, but the souping film and the rope parts of working in a dark room. Where you know I had done that for twenty some years, and that was an, I was done with that. Yeah, and it was nice to get out like into the open, you know. Lights on. You look out a window, and you know you don't smell so terribly bad at the end of the day. But so, yeah, I've been digital since then. Okay. Since then. And did you see your your photos change at all, or, or was it? Oh just... yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what changed? Well, first of all, it was you know twenty couple decades of black and white work, and all of a sudden I had the ability to go either way because shooting raw 
digital files. You can convert them to black and white or you know, run color. The newspaper, I think, was primarily interested in me going digital because, hey, they too wanted to enter the modern age and run color, color pictures. So it took me, a, there was a learning curve to figure out how I wanted my color pictures to look because I would developed my black and white aesthetic at that point and knew how you know, I wanted to print things, et cetera, et cetera. But it was sort of a real blank slate when I was faced with this digital file that looked sort of like, sort of look, when it brought up on screen, it looked like candy. And, and I'm like, well, how do I now? It looks too sort, of, too sort of real, too sort of plastic. So it took me a while to figure out what my aesthetic was, but there's just so many advantages to being able to shoot and see something almost, almost immediately that I sort of can't look back now. So, are you? Are you? Do you switch back and forth from black and white to color? Is it? Oh yeah, I'll 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 um I'll go either way sometimes, or or I'll or I'll make a file in one and a file in the other, and, and decide. You know, you can pick, just look side by side without you know going through all this rigmarole of like you know different films and blah blah blah. So you, it's not like you you you're married to one particular you know either black and white aesthetic or, or color. No. And, and does that change with assignments? You think or um, it does. And sometimes I mean sometimes black and white is a rescue for a bad digital file where you're in a bad you're in a uh, situation where it's all it's too dark. There's too much noise. The light colors is, is a mess. And black and white can be your your savior. You can you can pull it out like that. I try not for that not to be the case. Usually I try it for aesthetic reasons rather than. Um, necessity and so i'll do some projects where some pictures to me will just be better will work better in a monochrome type thing and others demand to be in color and it's something that's sort of intuitive after i'm looking at them not when i'm taking them necessarily but when i'm after i look at them doing research for this this interview i I got a chance to look through a lot of your photos because uh, the city paper has been really good about digging up a lot of your older photos Mm -hmm. and, and sharing them out to sort of mark your 30 years at the paper and uh it's not like that all your pictures are people or, or your all your pictures are art pictures or, you know, buildings or streets or whatever. It, it's a mix of a lot of different things, and there's there's a feeling in every single one of them. Is there anything in particular you like to shoot over or anything else, or is it more like your eyes just, you know, wander and, and try to find something? You know, well, there's the day, day-to-day sort of the necessities of, of the job as far as, like, hey, we have a food column. We've got to shoot food. Hey, we have a, you know, development column. We're going to shoot some buildings and, you know, things like that. But... I'm really drawn to, I guess some people call it street photography, but it's like the life life on the street, or just the way just the way things look in the natural world, like um, the way that light changes the way something looks at, at you know this time of day versus what it's going to look like at noon. People interacting, or you know, people in their own worlds. A lot of like nothing really set up. All of it sort of candid, you know, sort of street. I, I try to walk around unseen, and digital has really helped me do that in a way, especially. Especially now I do almost, I don't know, 80% of my work on a phone. And one of my first projects, when I got a smartphone that could t- take a decent picture, was was a series on people being absorbed in the devices. The story was people on their phones by me using a phone. Of course. And when you use a phone now, it's like you're, you're invisible because everybody's doing it. You know, either they're checking their email, they're swiping their Tinder, and you're a guy holding the same device and everybody's just so focused on that you can get like right up next to them and you know make a beautiful picture the photos you can take on a phone are pretty incredible right you know the average person can take a really incredible photo. I mean, to be honest an average person could always take a really incredible photo mm-hmm. whether they planned it or not is another thing right but you know how do you feel about you know the, the sort of omnipresence of of digital images that you know people everybody being able to shoot as opposed to maybe well you know that's a question of like what is everybody can make 
facsimile of a good image, and you know sometimes a, a nice filter effect will will take something mundane. But if it's a picture of your cat, it's still going to be a picture of your cat. So tell me something beyond. Show me something beyond what the subject is. I guess is 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 the goal. And I think like not everybody can do that. And I think if you have a background in in film, a background in, you've been shooting for a long time, and you're you have a, sort of a style or a vision, you know you can you can make a picture with a cardboard box and a piece of foil and a needle, you know, as a, as a pinhole lens that in a way that someone who, who is sort of new to it or is just playing with these filters and tools, they're not going to fool me generally. It's not, I'm going to know in a way, I guess. Right. Yeah. Now you, you came to the, to the Washington city paper in your twenties mm-hmm. and, um, you know, how, what was that experience starting out? I mean, was that your first photo photography job or one of your first? Yeah, I worked in a couple of dark rooms, you know, making prints of auction house furniture. Which <laughs> I learned to print black and white really fast and, and to a high quality, but it was miserable, you know. <laughs> but it was a good learning experience, et cetera. And then um, we had to have an internship when I was, I was at the Corcoran School of Art, RIP, and we had to have an internship our senior year. And I thought, well, maybe I can go work in the darkroom at the city paper, which I imagined to be a, like a newspaper, like on film and TV, where there would be a dark room and there would be, you know, a newsroom and there would be me. Maybe I could, you know, soup some prints for people or make coffee or do something like that. And in fact, I went over to the, there was a row house on Sixth Street, and there was no dark room. There was no, it was a row house, and there are people sitting in the in the bedrooms that have now become offices, and they were like, oh, okay, well, we'll give you a shot. And then I, the next thing I know, I was shooting an assignment and I was shooting a cover story and I was doing it very poorly and I was terrified. And I would bring every, every camera I had amassed to the, in my young life on assignments with me on a bicycle and a tripod, which I didn't need or use, but, but I felt like if I had the tools with me, I could answer these, these visual problems. But it, it's, now you know, I'm down to like, okay, I know what I'm going to do and I need one lens and I need one camera. I'm a little more comfortable. Is the one lens in the camera the iPhone or, or your phone? Or is it that or, or, a, or, a, or a camera with a 50 millimeter lens generally? Is all I use these days. Yeah. That's all. That's all you need if you know what you're doing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're doomed. You know, if it's so, you know, if you got a, a long, a long shot to a press conference and you're on a riser, you know, then you're taking pictures of your colleagues rather than than <laughs> the politician at hand, let's say. So there, there can be a crimp in it, but oh, um, oh Daryl, not another retrospective of the press corps. <laughs> oh yes, hey, look at us looking at other people. You know. <laughs> So we're going to ask you two questions. It's sort of the same. How has how have you seen through your lens the city change? Ooh, I think that we were talking earlier before we started that the pace of change seems to have accelerated. I feel that way maybe because I'm my age feels like it's accelerating. Every, all these <laughs> hurtling, uh, hurtling down the uh, you know the information superhighway here, looking for a for a rest stop, but. Um, the city itself has gone through, it's been a sleepy, bombed out, you know, sections from the riots, places you wouldn't go at, at night. The downtown used to be dead, you know, when it got dark to a place where people I would not have recognized 20 years ago or, or would not have recognized them in the neighborhoods that they're wa- walking around and looking like they live there, which they do. You know, the sort of population influx, the development, the condo on every corner, just the, the whole character has changed. You know, we've become a very different place. Yeah, it's, different it's place. a lot more vibrant. Whether in a good, bad whether, way. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. in both in good and bad. Right. Because you, know, you can be romantic about the things that are gone. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, where's the wig shop on F Street? And it's like, did you ever buy a wig at the F- wig street shop on F Street? No, but but I miss it. You know, I miss it. You know, now it's a J. Crew or, you know, like the old 930 Club is a J. Crew. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of character that that sort of got has gotten glossed over. Yeah, glossed yeah. over, and it, and and it's going, you know, lickety split. I think Georgia Avenue is one of the few sort of like corridors that still looks like it did pretty much 30 years ago. It's changing in pockets, but I recently did a, you know, I'll, I'll do self-assigned projects, and one of them I assigned myself was Georgia Avenue, and I just went up and down from the Maryland line down to uh, Howard University, and I would ride the buses and shoot out the windows. I would drive it, walk it, and just sort of like ultimately it might, it'll be a record, but that wasn't my intent in doing that. My intent was to make interesting pictures of, you know, that corridor. But, you know, that was maybe three years ago, and I bet if I go back to some of those spots today, they're gone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that quickly, that it, quickly. Yeah, it's all changing. Again, for the good, both the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're saying you, you sh- shot out windows, I think it was a little different 30 years ago. Probably. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you say that. It's called drive-by shooting. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. The history of D.C. So how, how have you changed as a photographer? I mean, you just described yourself as, as, your, as, in your, as in a your nervous 20s. 20-year-old. And, and now, old. you know, you're a seasoned veteran of, you know, photojournalism. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Or, or I always sort of feel a little bit scared every time I go out, like that I'm going to screw it up, you know? <laughs> and I think that's a, sort of important. You know, you know when you, once, you, once you think, like, I got this, then maybe you should stop doing it. I think it's called imposter syndrome. Mm. We all have it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people are going to find out. When? Uh, <laughs> all right, I've gotten away with this for 30 years. How much are they going to lock me up for <laughs> based on that? Take Where's me the away. statue of limitations on this? Take me away. You yeah. found me out finally. Hot. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, you're looking back at, at, at 30 years of photos, and that's a lot of photos. What sort of assignments sort of speak out to you, you know, that you look back at and say, yeah, I really had a, I either had a good time or I mm-hmm. did a good job, or maybe I even did, and I didn't do as good as I should have, but I learned something out of it. Oh, boy, that's that's tough, because when you have that that kind of a, you know, there, there are sort of different categories of the self-assigned projects that I, that I do and publish, and one recently I'm very proud of was I assigned myself one block on H Street, which is... What I call our like mini Times Square, sort of before it got too too fancy, yeah. um, as an intersection of all sorts of you know people people going to work, people panhandling. Uh, H Street is a really it's, interesting it's, corridor. It's an interesting corridor. So it's like look at the pictures. Here we are talking about pictures on on the radio, as my my dad <laughs> would call it. <laughs> Ooh, look but, at this. Yeah. So that I, that I was really proud to, to be able to like contain to like take one block and and make thirty some pictures that I was very satisfied with. Sort of like the opposite of like I, my one of my aesthetics is that this is the place I cover. I also live here, so I don't have the that like wanderlust. Like when I go on a vacation, I don't want to take pictures. Like I don't I don't feel like I know the place well enough yet. And so I'm sort of like I don't have that. Like I think I should go on a photo safari to fill in the blank because my pictures aren't interesting when I'm at home. For me, it's sort of the reverse. It's like I, when I'm a, when I'm away, I'm just sort of like a tourist, like wide eyed and like looking around. But I don't feel compelled to photograph because I feel like I can't do it. Like I'm not gonna get to anything. Uh-huh. Like I don't know. It's not gonna be deep enough. So you've never, you've never said, "Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Africa. I'm gonna go to I'm, New York City and spend a week there, and I'm gonna shoot pictures. I'm gonna do." You never done anything like that. I went on a really long honeymoon in the '80s to Southeast Asia, sort of going back oh, wow. to Thailand and other places, and and that was like, okay, I have enough time, and you know, we're here for three months. I'm, so of course I shot there. I did that. Those pictures didn't really see the light of day, you know. Um, but that's okay. Good practice. Else would I? Oh, and I've, yeah, and I've been on assignments to Thailand you know, as freelance things where, where I'm working. If I'm working, it's work, work, and I'll do it. But I just, I guess my main point is my goal is to understand this one place or try to understand this one place. 
and not to be all over the place. Yeah, you know? and, and I guess also to you, you have a connection to it. This is something you sort of said that you know that you know the city. This is your city, mm-hmm. and so you maybe you maybe you understand the visual language of it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, it's maybe I should get out more. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you go up to Baltimore. Yeah, or, you know, look or around down to Richmond. You know, yeah, get yeah. have some, to, you know, take a weekend away. Uh-huh. So now you talk about self assignments, mm-hmm. but uh, you also do you go out with other reporters oh, sometimes absolutely. to cover things. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you like about doing that, or what's the challenge of that? That's a better question. I, I, mean, I don't know. I think it's it can work both ways. I like going uh, out on my own, and I and. I've met so many talented writers have come through the paper in the last three decades, and many, many of them are also great people to hang out with. I find that journalists can be great company, and so I, I, you know, I'm happy to work with with those people too. And you can bounce ideas off of each other. You know, if you're on a stakeout, somebody to talk to in the car. Back in the day when we smoked cigarettes, you know, <laughs> said cigarettes, things like that. So yeah, I like I like you know working with people. I don't like. I don't think we'd I'd go up to like a huge, you know, like a, with a crew. I don't think I'd be really thrilled. You know? <laughs> so, two of us is good. Two of so us. How, how do you how do you like doing those assignments? Is it is it that you do you, do you like to have to have a conversation where you you go over and say, okay, this is what I think the story's going to be about. This, these are the elements that I think I'm going to need. Or do you mm-hmm. like to have more of a free hand? I'll nod and smile if someone says these are the elements we're going to need because <laughs> I'm going to give that's you what the they want to hear. Because but well or or we'll, we'll let's see what the elements are when we do it. I'm not the, my personality isn't the type to like to pregame uh, sort of a complex story like saying oh, well then we're going to get a picture of this and we're going to need it. You know so there are things you certainly you know you got to who's your main guy you know blah blah blah. But if you don't leave yourself open enough to let things happen in front of you and to discover things as they as they go, then you can come back with sort of like a sort of stilted, almost like illustrated product rather than sort of an editorial or, you know, more telling product. I don't know. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. You know, I've done photography as part of my assignments, but I'm primarily a a writer, a reporter. Mm -hmm. And I know that when I go out into an assignment, you know, you have certain expectations ahead of time about the things, your elements you're supposed to get, but then you have to open yourself up to what's going on there Mm -hmm. and tell what that story is Mm -hmm. as opposed to try to impose... Yeah. Whatever is going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that when you come away, and it's not, you're talking about the difference between maybe like just illustrating a story, but actually telling a story mm-hmm. visually. Do you have typical types of elements that you look for, or is it more of when you go there, it's whatever I don't want to say strikes your fancy. Mm-hmm. What I mean by elements is, oh, I need to know. I have need to have a long shot. I need to have, you know, something. No, from I never angle. really sort of. You don't think that way. Th- I never really thought that way in a sort of traditional. Like I never. I've, Never really worked in a like a traditional daily sense where they said, "Hey, give me a, give me one of the guy looking left, a guy looking right." You know, so if the story plays that way, and you know, I'll always say like, "He looks better," and it's actually real that he, you know when he's looking right. You know, yeah, that's the picture we have of him. He's looking right. So I, that sort of thing doesn't play play in too much. But you know, you don't. Just this week, we did a story on um, one of the last sort of known surviving intact air raid shelters from from the nineteen. 19- 60s, early 1960s, like right around the time we were born when wow. you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis was happening. And so in the basement of uh, this Adams Morgan uh, Middle School, I think it is now, <laughs> three floors down is this sort of like seven-foot-tall room, and it's still lined with, with um, barrels of water and biscuits and all the you know, emergency supplies and cots 
in case there was, you know, a nuclear winter. So the thinking was that the kids would go down there? Yeah. I mean, we had they were all over the city. Yeah, yeah. The thinking was that, you know, this, this is how we would survive the big one. But in reality, the big one would hit, and if you were there, you were gone no matter what. You right. Know, like, so, but if, if for some reason they decided to bomb... Uh, like Baltimore. B- Baltimore, then, the, the, you know, and if the winds were coming this way, you could go hide there for two weeks and wait for the... Whatever that stuff is, you know, to blow away. But so, you know, in my mind, I'm going, oh, that sounds like it's going to be a spooky, blah, blah, blah. Every time I think of like a story, like, okay, how am I going to, this is going to be pretty cool, right? I mean, there's going to be all this old stuff in there, and, you know, I'll be, you know, I'm prepared to deal with that, and then let's go see what it's like. And so, so I can't help my mind, but like, I pre visualize things. And once I get there, I can never remember what my pre visualization was because the reality is right in front of me. Right. And in, in this case, there was this, there was a, you know, one of those eighteen-inch-high chairs that you know little kids, little kids sit in, and wow. it was sitting in the middle of this room under <laughs> under this what looks like an interrogation light, and it was like, oh, "This is grim," and, and to me, that's great. You know, so that, that's so there was my picture. This is this scary, you know, sad little chair, and you know, so that says youth. That says you know, scary, spooky, and so I didn't know that picture was going to be there. I didn't bring the chair with me. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sometimes accused of having all sorts of things in my trunk, you know, like the broken bicycle. Throw that out there. I don't have a trunk; I have a bike. <laughs> you're not one of those. You're not one of those uh, uh, photographers that has to have a mirror in every shot. Right? Not every shot. No. 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 Every other shot. <laughs> every other shot. Yeah. It's not necessarily a mirror. Maybe it's a it's reflective be a shadow, car. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of me and everything. It's uh, a little. Yeah. yeah. You got to bring something. You gotta, yeah. That's your signature uh-huh. or, or whatever. So, uh, you know. In a typical uh, city paper, how, you know, how, how many images do you think you, you get? Or how many assignments do you have? Uh, you know, we all know what's happening in the news business. You know, yeah, everything's shrinking. Sh- shrinking. So, you know, the number of pages drop, the number of stories drop, and then the room, the room for images drop. So, you know, we could get what used to be a two-picture, you know, requirement story. It becomes a one and on down and on up. And so mm-hmm. it depends. But usually, you know, I'm filing about a dozen pictures. I'm filing. You know, maybe uh-huh. six or eight will run, unless it's a big, you know, if it's like a photo-heavy thing. You know, it could be up to twenty. Yeah, like that. that's Those a numbers. lot. Lot different than what it, what would it have been in the eighties or nineties? Um, probably like nineties. It would. It's, it's sort of hard to say. Probably twice that. Sort of as far as like there'd be twice the um, twice the real estate to fill up. Like we would right. have sometimes it would not just a cover story, but also what we would call a B feature, which would be like an inside cover story. It'd be like three or four. You know, local stories that we filed under district line, which means, you know, you know, sort of short newsy pieces. Then we didn't have food in the early days, but now food's a big part of our business. You know, you know, restaurant industry coverage. That's one of the things that's really changed in this city is like all the places to eat. And, and the, you know, now we have Michelin stars in D.C. You know, it's like, what's going on here? You know, it used to be a hot dog cart town. <laughs> You know, that used to be a good lunch. Get your get your your, your half smoke mm-hmm. and uh, uh, drink some beer with that. Yeah. Um, or Budweiser or, or Natty Bo. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. So, well, let's talk about food. I mean, is is that been a you know, is have you been shooting food all along, or just just shooting no, more? No, no. But you know, all of a sudden, I had to. I had to learn, and it's hard. It, it's hard. <laughs> you know, you can make you can make something really cool look like crap. You know, the one thing you can't do is like something that looks like crap look really cool, like. Beef stew. Sorry, I'm not going to photograph beef stew. That red chili doesn't photograph. <laughs> it all looks like dog food, you know. So, but yeah, it's one of those things. And in fact, my, during the film days, I don't think I ever shot anything food. I would maybe I'll do a portrait of a chef, but the food itself, like I had rangefinders, I couldn't get close enough. Like you know, I, I wouldn't be able to. You sort of need to be sort of selective focus in food. I find like pick that glistening 
bury and then let everything else sort of fall out of focus. You know, it's, it's a trick, but it's also a technique and it also makes sense because if you, you want to ice, really isolate the focus, an interesting thing in, in food photography, I think, and let, like you don't want to, you don't want the waiter to be in focus. You know, this, you don't want to see the fake faux wood grain in the table, you know, around the plate. You want to focus on the plate. So you open up your lens and let everything. So let the food pop a little bit pop, or, or a pop. feature. Yeah, of, feature of the, of the food. food. Yeah. So, but who knew? You know, like, oh, now I can take pictures of food. That's yeah. <laughs> well, but you know, the, the, it just shows to go. You gotta, you gotta change with the times and, mm-hmm. and what what people need. I would imagine, yeah, coming in and, and, and all of a sudden, okay, now we have to shoot food. That would be because you know one of the nice things about looking through all your photos is. You know, there are, as I said before, there are lots of different, you, you shoot lots of different types of things, you know, lots of different types of people as well, mm-hmm. you know, on the street, just just living mm-hmm. and in the moment. And, you know, that's one of the strengths of, of your photos that I really liked. I keep, you know, I keep talking to you and I keep thinking of visualizing this one photo over and over again. It's this, this woman, does she have a, she's an African-American woman, she, does she have like a, a beauty queen banner or a, like a crown? Possible well, or something, but it's it's in color, and she, yeah. she just has a sort of interesting look about her, and it's and the colors are muted, and it's just really it, it just it's a striking photo. And oh, it, it's, thank you. I, I can't picture it myself. I know. <laughs> I should have pulled it a out. couple of pictures that I don't remember. No, yeah. well, you've only taken what you've uh, taken like ten or twenty at least, at least thousand yeah. probably a million. Um, a million. So, what is it you look forward to shooting next? I, I look forward to still being able to do this. Uh-huh. So. Um, we have a we have a, our people issue coming up that I'm shooting next week, which is where we where I actually get to stay in one place and and the people that we decide to write about come to me. So it's the one time of the year where I use lights and so, so that's kind of fun. Is it throws a you know a get, to con- get to control the space? Yeah, a little bit for you know one week. Um, so that's fun. You know, I don't I don't know. I'm constantly being surprised by the assignments I get still, and and that's what's. Keeps the, the job interesting. I'm meeting, I meet, you know, three to four, five, six people every week. And I, I'll, I'll reckon, and I, and I run into people on the street and I say, don't know who you are, but I think I took your picture. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure I photographed you. <laughs> have, have you had people come up to you and, and say, you've taken my photo or? Yeah, yeah, I can't, can't remember, you know, an exact one. But, um, well, we've just sort of like given us, you know, that, like, how do I know you? How do I, oh, yeah. Look across You're the that street. weird yeah. guy on the bus. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah creep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <The> creep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how does, what's your advice for not being, uh, being perceived as a creep? Oh, God. There's an element of, of voyeurism in what we do. There's, it's just unavoidable. Yeah. Um, and I'll, all I can argue is that I think it's important for us to know what we look like and how, how we act on, on this planet. Part of that involves sometimes being, air quotes, making air quotes, being creeped on by a guy with a camera, you know. To me, like, it's intent. Like, if it's like an upskirt guy, that's creepy, right? But if it's, if it's like, hey, the light on your face while you eat the ice cream cone is going to make a beautiful image, that's different. So I, I like to believe, like, my heart's pure for the most part, you know, that I don't intend anyone. anyone. Well, how, how do you approach somebody? Um, if you're, you know, because you bring up something interesting because, you know, we get assignments, but then also sometimes we're out on the street and we're taking pictures on the street photos. I mean, how do you approach somebody and say, hey, I, you know, I want to take your picture or I, or I took your picture. Do you take a picture without asking? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Because if once once you get into the contract of asking, yeah, the, the picture's gone. You know, that, that person's look, which is just fleeting or that hand gesture where they're, you know, they're flipping somebody else off. Or, it's 
A, you don't want to ask them to do it again because it'll look staged. And B, once you start talking, then you're then you're now you've gone into come into a contract where it's like, all right, let's make a portrait of you. And then they see you, and then they put on their portrait, what they think is their portrait face, and and then you respond to that, and then you you start giving directions, and that's portraiture, and that's a different kind of photography. That's what I'm going to be doing next week when I you know have people in the studio, but on the street it's like it's usually a don't ask. Yeah, it's a, it's a don't ask thing, and that's where the, the iPhone comes in. And imagine like there are plenty of people with ill intent who are able to use it, you know, in a similarly sort of like blendy-in way, you know. Yeah, I, but I, I used to do it with I, I used to do candids with a cam, you know a big old camera that um, editor David Carr called the uh, six hundred pound pencil. He said like you know we're reporters and we can come in to do a story and you know we got a little notebook and this, but you guys show up and you got this six hundred pound pencil and all of a sudden everybody knows that you know yeah. the news media is here. So yeah, and as soon as as soon as they recognize it, then the, then the, the, the story change, changes. It's the whole whatever that observed principle is. Yes, you know, yeah. yeah. So you need to you need to be so yeah. You know, I wrestle with that. It's like all right, I'm being sneaky here. But I think it's like for a greater good. I don't know. Do you have many people who who tell you that either a, they don't want their picture taken or they or they don't want it published? It happens from time to time. I've been attacked by an old guy once with a cane at an ice cream giveaway. You know, you think it's the most innocent thing. I <laughs> <laughs> you and here he comes with the cane. I'm like God. It's, it's ice cream. It's ice cream. I know. You know. Politician shows up with an ice cream truck at the old folks' home to you know ask for their vote, and so you go, all right, I got to take a picture of people getting free ice cream, and maybe he was smart. It's like, look, I'm eating ice cream, stay out of my face, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But he has a right to not want it. Yeah, but we are on we're in public, and you know we have the the right to photograph what we can see. Yeah, he entered into a contract when he accepted that ice cream. I think it was somewhere on the cone. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know you've signed your you signed your life away by, yeah. by doing that. Yeah, yeah. The, the the end of this conversation got a lot more creepy than I actually anticipated. I'm but, sorry, can we just kill it? Oh. No, we're it's fine. <laughs> no, because it's I mean that's part of photography is is you know being out there and I agree with you 100. percent I mean if you as soon as you start talking to the person, then the situation changes. Yep. And you know the thing you see, the thing you want to capture, is in that moment, and you have to, you have to act. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you do that, then you have to deal with the consequences, right? Or, uh, but usually it's, um, I'm just keep, I just keep moving. Like it's like usually it's like a fluid exchange, like not an exchange of fluids, but a fluid. You know, <laughs> sorry, that's okay. You know, just keep moving, just keep moving. If someone looks at you, smile. You know, someone asks you what you're doing, so I'm taking pictures. <laughs> Do you tell them where you were with the paper? Or? Yeah, I will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll never like, you know. I'm just taking pictures. I'm just you know, <laughs> taking pictures. And the thing is, like, I'm I do this myself so often that when I was working on that Chinatown or the H Street story, sure. There's one guy down there, old, older gentleman with a with a sort of prosumer camera, uh-huh. who I consider to be doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, you know, here comes a woman, you know. So uh-huh. So I can recognize the creepers among us. I remember I, I was on an assignment in, in, uh, when I was in grad school, and I had a video camera. I was down near Camden Yards interviewing people coming out of the metro. Mm-hmm. And I swung the camera around, and there was this, what is that, High Street or no, First Street, where mm-hmm. all the uh, scalpers were. Uh-huh. As soon as that camera started moving, they all just started moving to the side. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually one of them came up and says, what do you, what do, you do with that camera? And I was like, no, no, no. Just... It's investigating scalping. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with the police. I'm with it now. So yeah, your video camera is like a street, street sweeper sometimes. You know, it's like you point it in one direction and then everybody moves over there, moves over there. You know, the big video cameras, like the TV guys, I'm, I've never been envious of what they have to, you know, 
In yeah. a way, it's a, it's sort of a shield for them. Like, you know, you announce your presence when you have something like that on your shoulder. And they seem a little bit more sort of untouchable because, like, hey, they're here. They're on TV and, you know, this right. is the news. And we're, we're to accept their presence. But, you know, skinny guy with a couple cameras, how you're perceived is up to you. You know, you, you got to act like you belong there, you know. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. Daryl, thanks for coming in. This has been great. Oh, Michael, thank you so much. I really enjoyed looking at your photos. I'm going to have some links to some some of the the stories that they're putting up on the, the city paper marking your 30, 30 years. I hope you have another 30 years doing this. I do, too. Thank you so much. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, I've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, a Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.